Ana Mihinuiki Koto Katoa. Kia ora kōrua, Jane Wilde and Renee Orr, curators of Miraculous Medieval Manuscripts, which is our new exhibition here at Tāmaki Pātaka Kōrero, the Central City Library. And it's fantastic. Congratulations to you both. It looks amazing. Thanks, Sue. Um, So just wondered if we could start perhaps by giving a kind of overview for what uh, somebody might expect to see when they walk through the Miraculous doors. Yeah, well, uh, you'll you'll walk into a room um, with a number of very beautiful books on display. So we've selected nine books from our medieval manuscripts collection. So these are all some of our the treasures of our collection. They're all um, handwritten um, books from the medieval time period. And we've really selected uh, books which show the range and variety of the collection. So we've got um, books which are beautifully decorated um, with gold and luminous colours. We've got books which have um, survived a lot of damage and um, have had some experiences over time. Uh, We've got small books and large books. There's a a real variety for people to see and enjoy. The only thing I'd probably add is that range of devotional and secular. So some of them are Bibles and the Bibles come from the pocket Bible to the enormous, heavy, heavy lectern Bibles. Mm. Um, but there are also very um, important books that were really popular in that medieval period that are not uh, a religious book at all. Um, and that includes textbooks that are sort of scientific mm. with um, Aristotle as the author. Um, and then um, the famous um, Constellation of Philosophy by Boethius. Mm. So you get a, a real range in, with just a small number of treasures. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it is a real feast for the eye. There's, I can see gold glinting and I can see a beautiful um, access to one of the books through the mirror there where you can get a, a side kind of view into the pages. Um, and so, you know, knowing that this collection of, of books has been with Auckland Libraries for quite some time, I wondered what... Why now? What's the motivation for bringing, bringing these books to the public right now? Mm. Yeah, well, um, we've had exhibitions in the past drawing on medieval manuscripts in the collection, but it's been a little while since there's been one. I think the, first, the, the most recent one might have been 2005. 2015, we had um, some books on display right. as part of an exhibition, yep. but this is the first time we've had al- an almost exclusive focus on medieval manuscripts for quite some time. Mm. Mm. And this has allowed us, uh, with the timing of our Kura Heritage Collections Online, we've now got um, over, over 40 medieval manuscripts online, and so a number of the, of the um, Taonga in our exhibition um, are online. And it really is that amazing uh, opportunity to see the real thing and then to actually be able to go deep into it um, at home or wherever you want to access it online. Mm -hmm. And they kind of complement each other. You can see all the different page openings if you're going online, but when you see the real thing, you get that sense of scale and the... um, the, the kind of sparkle of the of the colour mm. and the sense of the, the book as an object having been drawn and handwritten. Mm, and bound. 
Absolutely. And, and the bindings are so interesting because they're not necessarily the original binding from you know, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th century, but they've had different bindings and some of them are extraordinary bindings that happened in the 19th century that make them um, really uh, stand out and that's going to be a real treat for people coming in. And I love how we can see some of that that fine detail that people will be able to zoom in on through the digitisation or through you know the kura records, but also placed here on the walls as facsimiles, those lovely um, fragments uh, yeah. up close. Yeah, I think that's one of the lovely things about this gallery space with the spotlighting that we've got. We've been able to get some, some blown up images um, that really let you get a, a, a flavour of what's in those manuscripts and um, particularly with the saints from the Rostu Book of Hours. So that's a, a very small physical book um, and there are a lot of saints in there, but we've been able to bring out five um, that really, um, really sparkle and really draw you into the space. And I think um, St Margaret is the one in the middle and that's the one we have the opening for. Well, she's not quite in the middle, she's number four in the lineup with the the blue-tongued dragon. Amazing. Mm. And these sort of this kind of iconography has a real interest, doesn't it, to kind of art historians as well as, you know, the the religious or the spiritual dimension that they represent. That's right. I mean, there's the first one is St Christopher, and he seems very sort of opposite for Auckland at the moment, and standing in the water, um, with the weight of the world on his shoulders, um, and yeah, it's it's you know patron saint of travellers and um, really um, enjoyed by people, um, whether, they're, whether they're Christian or, or not, mm. as um, an important saint to kind of keep, keep with you. You've got some lo lovely additional kind of material on the wall too, including a glossary of terms, which is really a neat um, opportunity for some learning. But this quote here was intriguing to me. What can you tell me about, yeah. about that? <laughs> Well, I, sh I should probably just read it out. Um, it sits very well against an image that we have that was published in The Listener in, in 1950, showing the, the treasure room for Gray and Shaw manuscripts in their kind of face out in quite a shocking way. Um, but that does show how in the old gallery building where the library was, you were able to see manuscripts in the, in the 20th century. And in our quote that we've got beside it, it's Dr. Bennett, who um, was a New Zealander, who then became a, a well-known um, Oxford Don. And he came back to New Zealand in, in the 1950s. And on his visit home, he said um, in a radio interview, I suspect I am not the first New Zealander to have looked wistfully towards the sumless treasures of Europe's art and literature, as if they lay altogether out of reach here. I've met my fellow countrymen, and more often my fellow countrywomen, patiently plodding through learned libraries or gazing with glazed eye at showcase after showcase in the Bodleian or the British Museum, we might have all done better and learnt more by staying home and taking the tram to Auckland Public Library. And that's a, that's a quote that's been used quite a bit, um, but it's a, really, it's a really powerful message, I think. Um, Wynne Colgan used it in his book about the governor's gift, about Sir George Grey's gift to people of Auckland. Mm. And I think it does really um, demonstrate that um, there's almost like an invisible line between the university and the public library. They're physically very close, but in the 1950s, if you were wanting to 
get a sabbatical, get funding, go overseas um, to research something. You'd get funding if you went overseas. You wouldn't get funding if you stayed home. And the treasures that we have at home, um, like the depth of the manuscript collection, that is primarily the bequests of Sir George Grey and uh, later on Henry Shaw, um, those were in the library, um, hiding in plain sight in the 1950s, but someone like um, Dr. Bennett um, didn't really get the measure of them until he'd become a scholar and seen things overseas and then come back. Um, and I think he was being quite political when he made that comment. So Renee has been part of the curatorial team and having made some selections, I wondered if we could have a little walk through some of the cases and talk to some of the specifics. Um, where do we start? Where's number one? Number one's over here. This is our um, smallest book um, in the exhibition. And um, this is a extremely cute uh, pocket Bible. Um, which um, we've decided to display here closed so that uh, you can really appreciate the book as the object and it's, it looks to have been um, a, a, a well-used and um, well-enjoyed um, object. Um, so it has this wonderful uh, leather cover and you can see that the cover's got a beautiful polished kind of shine to mm. it as if it's been held in hands. It's very compact, isn't it? Just even in terms of the number of leaves in it, like it's quite extraordinary. Yeah, so it's the New Testament, right? Um, and we do have um, we do have some lovely photographs of it. Um, and when you when you open it and, and see inside, which you can see in the exhibition catalogue, the writing is extremely small. So it is, yeah, possibly the sort of Bible that you need um, some some reading glasses for or a magnifying <laughs> glass. And then across from it is this the the biggest book in the collection? Oh, yeah. the heaviest. The heaviest, yeah. And they are really heavy. They're mm. a they're a job for two two people to lift. Um, and there's two volumes of them. So um, this is uh, another Bible, um, but a lectern Bible that would have been used for public um, or communal worship. They're, they're sort of known amongst library staff as the pink elephants, which is a reference to um, their size and weight, and also um, this gorgeous binding um, that they were given in the 19th century, which was originally a red velvet, I believe. Mm. It's faded to a pink and all this um, metal furniture is what they call it, um, which is partly to protect the book, but really also to make it look great. And I'm going to note for the listener that um, there's, a, there's a distinctive colouring with the labels, which I believe relates to some activities that invite children into the space. Yeah, we've tried with this exhibition to um, make it as accessible as possible, really, and so we sort of came up with the idea of doing um, two sets of labels, and so we have these, um, we have one label in the case, and then we also have this second yellow label, it's kind of a turmeric colour, um, <laughs> and um, at the entrance to the exhibition, um, uh, younger visitors, young treasure hunters can pick up a yellow activity sheet and then use uh, the questions on that sheet um, as a prompt for finding the answers um, with these yellow labels in the cases. Mm, it's a delightful addition, I think. 
Yeah, it's, it's nice, I think, with that sort of punchline, like heaviest or oldest or smallest, you get a, a, a flavour of the, the different contrasts in the space, yeah. Where do you want to take me next? Shall we go to this case, Jane? Yeah, I think we're being drawn naturally into this sort of corner with this lovely upright um, lit case. It's lit from within, which is pretty exciting. So we get to see two of the Greek manuscripts that Sir George Grey owned um, and gave to us um, with his bequest. And these were considered by him to be the oldest manuscripts in his collection. Um, I mean, date is kind of an interesting thing. So um, it's, it's not always possible to tell exactly how old something is, but when you look at these, um, they look quite different mm-hmm. to some of the other manuscripts. And, and it's partly the um, incredible damage that they've suffered. So you can sort of see uh, the one on the, on the middle shelf um, we've displayed with a mirror behind it. And you get to see the, the full text block that looks like it might have been eaten or nibbled by something over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also get to see the back cover and the front cover. And the, the front cover has a, a really lovely blue textile on it. And the back cover has wooden boards, which um, have got a kind of um, sort of inset... Um, edge on them, which is evidently um, a distinctive marker of a Byzantine um, binding. So you're kind of getting really up close to something that is, is quite ancient and um, has, has, got a, has had a, an amazing life. Um, it's, it was digitised earlier um, for a project overseas and at that point the leather cover was removed. So we've put the leather, leather cover next to it mm-hmm. so you kind of get to see a bit more of the kind of the story of the layers um, that it has. Mm. And then the one above it um, has a painting that shows St Luke um, and he's writing the Gospel um, and that's also got uh, a lot of annotation on it and um, mm, yeah. quite a, a beautiful um, Read a rubrication around the the opposite page. So, it, you know, they really pay um, a sort of close uh, study. And then um, at, next to that, to the right on the wall, we've got an enlargement of what they what's called um, uh, canon table, and um, it's visually just quite stunning. And I think um, having it blown up. Uh, is another example of how once something's been so well captured as a digital uh, record, you can really um, get, get to appreciate it as a kind of work of, of beauty. It's got a kind of architectural uh, detail in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, despite the, the kind of damage that's happened to these books, um, they're still able to be read um, if, you, if, you, if you're a Greek scholar. Um, and you can still appreciate... Uh, the, the beauty of them. Yeah, we, we would really wanted with this case to have a bit of um, have a bit of fun mm. with the with the display and um, the way the way these books could be viewed and to really encourage people to look at them from all angles. So it was it was quite fun thinking about thinking about the mirrors and how to arrange the case so that people could get down low, could look down from above 
and just really enjoy these books as um, as, as objects, mm. I, I guess. Mm. Um, and yeah, we're very um, very fortunate to have a great um, conservation team who enable this um, this kind of display to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the pillow that this one's been given to rest on. That's right. <laughs> I mean. Uh, one of the things that Naya has said is that, that the parchment actually wants to revert back to its animal state as a hide, and so it has to be actually quite carefully contained because in the new environment, now that it's open, it wants to just kind of come up, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing, really. Um, so it's, it's quite firmly um, attached. Uh, that, that text block has mm-hmm. a sort of... Um, fixings on it and then um, it'll, it'll, it may actually have to do so have some resting time after the display just to kind of revert back to its closed form. Shall we have a look at one more and then we'll invite people to come to see for themselves. I'm, I'm very much drawn to the, to the fragments here and this, and this musical notation. What can we see here? Yeah, so um, so these books are sort of um, they're a bit different mm. in the exhibition here because they are they're actually printed books. So the books themselves are not manuscript, although they are very early printed books um, dating from 1480. Um, but the reason that we've included them is that they have manuscript fragments um, which have been used in the in the binding of the book itself. So this was something that bookbinders um, at the time used to do quite frequently. Um, there would be man- manuscripts which had outlived their, their life and binders would use them to um, uh, reinforce the gatherings before they were sewn into the, into the text block. And um, some um, you know, great research has been done on these particular volumes, enabling us to um, understand what we can see in the gutter of the book there and how those fragments might match up with other books um, which are elsewhere in the world. It was, it's good to hear um, Renee talking about the research that's been done and, and we're calling it an ongoing process, but we're incredibly fortunate to have had um, the scholar Alexandra Barrett do research on these works and it's attracted interest around the world. And then um, Krista Hamill, who will be here talking um, quite soon, has also been able to identify the handwriting in the fragments and give it a, a, a date, which does potentially place them as the earliest fragments of manuscript in the Southern Hemisphere um, at um, ninth century um, uh, items um, but also just thinking that that, that that was really Alexandra Barrett came to this because they were catalogued as having manuscript waste in them and that was thanks to our cataloger Ian Snowden who uh, noted the end papers which have um, musical notation on them and that catalogue entry attracted the interest of the scholar at the University of Waikato and then she was then able to go a bit, dive a bit deeper and find that the the 19th century binding is a 15th century book that in fact is made up of medieval items in the structure. So it's, it's incredibly um, interesting as a kind of case study, I think. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, um, people are invited to discoverability through our catalogue, both right. um, our library catalogue and the Kura Heritage Collections online, but most importantly, come and get up close with these yep. fine documents while you have the opportunity to see them 
see them for real. And um, there is a, an, an invitation too for people to really get up close, isn't there, in, in September? Wouldn't you want to tell me about that? Yep, that's right. So we'll be doing a session in our um, Piringatahi uh, Special Collections Up Close series. That's um, where we um, where we hold an event where people are invited to come and have a um, a very intimate kind of session with um, one of our one of our librarians. And on so on the twenty first of September, um, I'll be looking at medieval books and looking at some of the um, the features of decoration that you see in books from the collection. We won't be looking at these ones from the exhibition, but luckily we have a number of other beautiful books that I'll be able to bring out and show people. And the exhibition, of course, will be on um, right through to the... The 11th of November we close, mm. yeah. And during that time, each month, we'll have another medieval manuscript in our Auckland Library Heritage Trust case on the atrium on the same level. And so that brings the number of manuscripts from 9 to 12. So potentially if you keep coming back, you'll see a different, uh, an additional bonus medieval manuscript in our atrium space during September, October, November. Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for the time this morning. And um, yeah, really looking forward to the next few months of engagement with these miraculous manuscripts. Thank you.